0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Canuckway Podcast. My name is David Cudrelli. I'm the site expert at the Canuckway and your host of the Canuckway Podcast. Joining me this week once again is Sean Warren.
1: Sean, how you doing, buddy? Good, good. Feeling pretty regular on this. It's great. Uh, I enjoy it, so it's nice to nice to be on here again.
0: Yeah, you're definitely our most frequent guest. We're still waiting (laughs) on Brayden to figure out everything with his computer situation. He did get a new one, but he's got to install all the software and everything and make sure he's got all his ducks in a row uh, before he starts starts up on the podcast with me again. So we'll have to wait for his first appearance. But yeah, I think you're actually the only guest I've had on this show. And then there was that one week that I went solo. But uh, yeah, I think you're the only person I've had on here.
1: Well, I don't mind. I'll be on anytime. <laughs> yeah, you're More my Sven Berchi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Chris Faber up. for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He
0: he calls me his Sven Berchi for Canucks conversation because uh, he'll call me up whenever whenever I'm needed. Perfect. Speaking of Sven Berchi, that's our first topic today: the news of the week for the Canucks. Recording mm-hmm. this on Sunday night, actually during the first intermission of the Canucks versus Vegas game. We'll get into why that is later, but let's talk about Sven Berchi, Sean, because. He's a player that the Canucks acquired for a second-round pick back in the dark days of the team, and he was a player that the Canucks were advertising as one of the core players. Like I said to Faber, he was on the 2017-18 fridge magnets that they were handing out at Rogers oh, Arena man. one night. Um, now, I, I say that pretty tongue-in-cheek, that he was a core player, but during the dark years, he really was. Him and Bo Horvat were one of the few bright spots that this team could boast.
1: Well, it, it, you're right. Like it, To me... We look back at that trade, and obviously in hindsight, what would we prefer? We'd rather rather have Rasmus Anderson, of course, because he's young, he's got lots of potential, and Sven Verci is what we've seen Sven Verci to be. Uh, there's kind of no further potential opportunities there. We have uh, a player that could play in the top six or top nine on a team, um, lights up the AHL, but has concussion issues, right? Um, which, I mean, is beyond his control. Yeah, like, that's too bad. Um, But the Canucks had to do what they had to do, I guess, is the best way to put that. Um, It was. It was the dark days. They tried to kind of fast forward the rebuild and do it more like a retool, and that's where the thinking came from on that. So in hindsight, like, obviously it would have been better if they would have full committed to the rebuild, kept the second-round pick, drafted somebody akin to uh, Rasmus Anderson and and the rest would have been history from there. But it is what it is now, and hopefully Sven can, one, remain healthy, and two, get a a better opportunity to make an NHL lineup because he's unquestionably an NHL player.
0: Yeah, the news coming out yesterday from TSN 1040's Rick Dollywall that the Canucks are t- actively trying to s- trade Berchi. And the thing is, we knew that before. But the new information was that Berchi's agent actually had permission to start talking to teams about potential trades. Uh, and then today, the news coming out again, recording this on Sunday. The news coming out was that the Canucks have placed Van Berci on waivers. And this was something that apparently confused a lot of people. They were wondering, oh, well, he's already in Utica. What do you mean waivers? So... When he got called up, he didn't have to pass waivers, and then when he got sent back down for the second time, he didn't have to pass waivers. He did have to pass waivers at the start of the year, and that was the first and only time he's had to pass waivers. Uh, But now the Canucks are choosing to put him on waivers, which they are allowed to do as per the CBA. They're allowed to put a player on waivers. It's just you don't see teams do it very often, but they are very much allowed to. They weren't required to put them on waivers, but they're allowed to put a player who is in Utica on waivers if they'd like to. And that's exactly what the Canucks did. And that is a very clear attempt by Jim Benning and the Canucks brass to find Sven Berchi at home. Because he's a player that they obviously liked, and he's a, he's a good person. You've never heard anything bad about Sven Berchi, but he wants a new start. He's he thinks he's an NHL player, and he deserves the chance to play somewhere. He's a new father. He wants to be in an NHL market on an NHL team. He's had a had a good attitude in Utica. He's been like he's liked his teammates and he hasn't really gone down and pouted, but he has gone down with the mentality that I'm an NHL player. Why am I down here? But you can kind of tell he's not really a negative guy, but it must be hard for him uh, to be in the AHL when he, when he thinks he's an NHL player.
1: Well, and one of my favorite quotes uh, came from Goldobin actually kind of referring to having Berchi with him through that experience or this experience that continues to happen. To go on for them. And he said that it was much easier to have uh, somebody that one understood because he was in the same position as him. Um, so I, I think they've they both kind of leaned on each other through this, and that's uh, enabled them to be really positive and upbuilding for the rest of the team. And obviously, from what it looks like, at least from over here, it's been a pretty positive effect in Utica. They have got a good team. Uh, a lot of the prospects uh, that took appeared to take steps back last year, have really progressed well, like Cole Lind and Jonah Gajevich. Um It looks really positive down in Utica right now, which at this time last year was a completely different story. So I think they're a big part of that, um, with that positive attitude. I do think that Sven Berchi is an NHL player. Uh, jury could be out, and arguments can be made for Goldobin, but I do think Sven Berchi is an NHL caliber player. Uh, and when he was in Vancouver, he produced well. Uh, it just happened. The Canucks didn't win, right? And that's, you can't put that all on one guy and say that if the team, the team wins, you're, you stay. But essentially that's kind of what ended up happening. The, the Canucks started getting healthy again, and they were winning without him in the lineup. So um, effectively kind of lost his role that way, but there's lots of teams. I think that would be, able to take Sven Berchi on and plug him into at least their top nine and have an improvement. And so hopefully, I mean, if it's not done on waivers, um, possibly due to contractual limits uh, for teams, maybe maybe he's able to get traded for some some really low pick or prospect, kind of like what we saw with Alex Biega. Um, but we'll see. Like, I, I really think that somebody can buy really, really low on Sven Berchi and, have a, good, a pretty pretty good return, honestly. There's actually a lot to
0: talk about when it comes to this because the Canucks made it clear that they were trying to trade Sven Berchy, and it's now become clear that they can't find a trade partner. And I found this funny because I put it out on Twitter. I said, what what realistically do you think the Canucks can get back for Sven Berchy in a trade? And some people's answers were just unbelievable. I was really surprised <laughs> that people, people... Anybody
1: say it first? No, no
0: one said a first, but the highest I saw was a third. And that was, I was pretty, pretty taken aback by that. I, you know, I, I saw some people saying like sixth, their seventh round pick. And I was like, okay, if they're going to get a pick, it's definitely going to be in those rounds. But a third round pick, some people were saying, and that was just shocking. That was, yeah, that was pretty jarring to see people actually thinking he could go for a third round pick. And then it's those same people that when Jim Benning can't trade him. They are like, oh what the hell? I would have got him for a third. Benning didn't, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just exactly. like you can't have that those kind of expectations that a GM's gonna be able to turn a concussion like a guy who's had a bunch of concussions and plays in the AHL right now, turn him into a third round pick. That's just not how it works. Bearchee's not getting any younger. Teams aren't gonna trade a third
1: round pick for a player like that. Well, and you gotta think about his cap hit too, right? Like they're gonna have to pay three and a half million dollars. For a guy that currently plays in the AHL, so you have to convince a team that that has value too, and that's to me that's why he hasn't been picked up on waivers is because I mean that's that's a fairly healthy cap hit to take onto the books for even for free. Um, Obviously, there are teams that could do it, but when there's you know when there's names on the market like Taylor Hall uh for six million and they've got potential to pull somebody like that in and i do think there's a lot of people kicking tires on that right now um like where does sven berchi fit in that right and and for a third round pick like obviously that's that's nowhere even close uh it would definitely be like a sixth or seventh or kind of like a david pope kind of prospect um you're not getting anybody's top 30 prospects uh for sven berchi right now which is unfortunate because I think if the Canucks properly showcased him and he showed everybody that he still very much is at least a top nine forward in the NHL, he could have garnered a bit of a higher pick, maybe a fifth, a fourth maybe. Um, but it's it's these kind of questions that have people throwing around the, the term asset management when it comes to the Canucks brass um, and just how they've handled Sven Berchi and his trade value you could say the same for Nikolai Goldobin, too, really. Another thing I'd like to add about the Berchy thing is uh,
0: people are talking about waivers. You, They're saying, why isn't a team claiming him for free? So what happens when a team claims a player off waivers is not only do they take on that contract, but you have to keep that player in your lineup for or on your roster, I think it is. So if a team claimed him, they would have to have a spot for him on their NHL roster. And there's not a lot of teams that are going to be willing to do that because like... That's the thing is most teams have their rosters figured out And they kind of know what their team looks like And I guess a lot of teams aren't really seeing a fit with Sven Berchi And it makes sense He's not the player that the Canucks thought they were going to get when they got him He had some good years in Vancouver, don't get me wrong But with all the concussions and, you know, just the the way he's played Since he has come back from those concussions has been just fine But there's obviously that worry, and then you put in the cap hit. It's just a really complicated situation, and it's an unfortunate situation for Sven Berchi.
1: Well, and I mean, if they genuinely believed that he would be a part of the core moving forward, then yeah, they would be very um, disappointed or underwhelmed, I guess, by what he's brought. Um, Great person, like you said. Obviously, I hope the best for Sven Berchi going forward, and I hope that... um, whether it be like Detroit or Ottawa or somebody like that, that can use somebody that will mentor and assist young players. I think Sven Berchie perfect for that kind of role. I mean, he's doing it really well in Utica. Uh, and I would love to see him get an opportunity similar to that. Um, I mean, those teams have money right now, right? Like they're, they're terrible teams. So if they have cap issues, like that's, that's not a good look. Uh, but we know that they don't, so there's there's several teams I think that he would be a good fit on, and would be able to contribute um, who knows, maybe if he went to Ottawa he could have kind of a, a Duclair uh, esque story uh, not quite to the same extent but uh, you never know, right? And I think you need to have a team that's willing to take a chance take a flyer on a guy like Sven Perci, and it's obviously going to be super cheap, but you just hope that somebody's going to be able to do it for them. Obviously, it'd be huge cap relief, too, for Vancouver, um, being that they'd clear all that, that salary off the books. Um, good timing, really.
0: Totally. After this ad, we're going to come back mm-hmm. and talk about Jacob Markstrom. So, yeah, cue that ad. All right, Sean, let's talk about Jacob Markstrom here. Uh, again, recording this on Sunday night, Sean has refing to go to at 7.30, so we're actually unable to record <laughs> after the game, and I got work early in the morning, so we decided to record this during the first intermission. I'm looking behind me at the TV that's on.
1: Yeah, same.
0: And the Golden Knights just scored. It's 3-1 <clears throat> Vegas right now. But uh, aside from that, Jacob Markstrom got the start tonight. I pondered on Twitter and in the comment section and in my... Uh, in my article that I did That Mike Pietro Might get a start On this back-to-back road trip That they had, the two back-to-backs And I predicted that it, if anything It would be the Vegas game Because you know, you're not going to take Markstrom And uh, not yeah. start him on Saturday night After the performance he turned in Against Carolina yeah. But I start to worry about Okay, they're playing Markstrom And that's great, he's fresh But he tweaked something on Saturday night on the goal, the first goal by Timo Meyer, or Thomas Hurdle, my bad, um, by Thomas Hurdle. That goal, Markstrom tweaked something, and it's just a reminder that a year ago in February, the Canucks had the exact same situation. They had DiPietro up as the emergency backup. They rode the hot hand of Markstrom, and Markstrom got hurt, and then DiPietro had to play that dreaded game on February eleventh, two thousand nineteen. They had to put DiPietro in, and he got lit up by the Sharks. I think the final score was 7-2 to in that game. Yeah. And I just wondered, to avoid a situation where you're forced to play DiPietro, do you give him a start? His second, It would have been his second career start had they given him this start tonight against Las Vegas. I just wonder, because the Canucks have a homestand coming up, and every point is so crucial right now. There's only six points that separate the Canucks and the first-place Coyotes in their division. And you really want Markstrom healthy for this homestand that's coming up. So I just wonder if it's an ill-advised move not to play D. Pietro. Cause if he if Markstrom doesn't get hurt, fingers crossed he doesn't, it looks like a great move. But in the off chance that Markstrom isn't a hundred percent and he's he tweaked something on Saturday night. That's my whole point behind this. He tweaked something on Saturday night, he continued to play the game. But to play another game right afterward, I just think maybe it would have been smart to put Di Pietro in for the Sunday night start. Sean, what do you think about that?
1: No, I agree. I, <clears throat> I think that it's uh, important not to run Marks from right into the ground, uh, especially with, like you said, him him tweaking something. And I mean, we don't know the severity of that. Hopefully, it's it's nothing, and he was able to just kind of shake it off. But. With that being said, we don't want to be put in a situation uh, like we did last season, right? And and I think I don't know about giving him the Vegas start with Vegas' depth. I would have probably, I mean, ideally given him San Jose, but like you said, with Carolina's game being so dominated by Markstrom, uh, you can't not you can't take that guy out of the net. So yeah, I think I would have probably played him in this game i would have penciled uh the san jose game for uh mikey d until until that an incredible performance by markstrom on uh on friday night no against the thursday. Hurricanes thursday thank you yeah so I, I would have really i don't know like it's tough it's a, it's again kind of a, another situation where we have a bit of a question with Asset management a little bit, Um, but there's only so much you could do when there's injuries involved too.
0: Markstrom has been outstanding since November 23rd. They just flashed the graphic up on the game. His save percentage is like something like 938, and that'll obviously change after the game tonight. But he has been very solid, and no game was better, in my opinion, in Markstrom's entire career. Then that one he played on Thursday night against Carolina, the 43-save shutout, it was incredible. His mom was in the building, and as everybody knows, Markstrom's father recently lost his battle to cancer, and Markstrom was going through a very tough time. And with his mom in the building, his team really wanted to see how far they could push the envelope, but Markstrom shut the door. He was unbelievable against Carolina, and everybody took notice. All the Carolina beat reporters were tweeting about it. The Carolina Hurricanes account even tweeted, can Jacob Markstrom just chill for a second? Because it was unbelievable. Carolina was throwing everything at him, and they could not solve him.
1: Oh, he was unbelievable. I thought the Canucks played a pretty poor game against a really strong opponent, and Jacob Markstrom was just exceptional. It... You know how Vancouver has this thing where we go and we play kind of a middling goaltender or a backup goaltender in another conference and we just get stunk out. Like, they just shut us out. They look like a Vezina candidate trophy winner. It was nice to kind of be on the opposite end of that and not saying that Jacob Markstrom's either of those things. But we have never seen a performance like that from Jacob Markstrom until that night. And that was unbelievable it's been a while since we've had a game completely stolen by a goaltender to that degree but wow like I just couldn't couldn't stop watching for him the rest of the game was pretty hard to watch honestly uh for an effort uh standpoint but holy Jacob Markstrom single-handedly gave the Canucks two points that night it was unbelievable
0: yeah Markstrom was definitely incredible in that game Shifting over to it now, we have Demko out with a concussion. Don't know when he's going to be back at this time. Mm-hmm. Di Pietro's the backup. Di pietro might have to get a start, whether the Canucks like it or not. I just wonder. I, this is something I've always... always. I, I thought about this the minute Di Pietro was called up. Was, is this kid going to get a start? Or is he going to ride the pine the whole time? It was intriguing to me to see what the Canucks would elect to do. But now with Markstrom... Playing tonight in Vegas and then the homestand coming up, it kind of just makes sense to start Markstrom for all those home games. And I don't think, I don't think DiPietro is going to get a start. It depends how long Demko is out for, but this homestand, the Canucks have an off day in between each game and they're at home. So I would argue that Markstrom is going to get every start from here on out and we actually won't see Di Pietro play.
1: Well, and I think that's probably pretty likely. I'm sure that San Jose game hasn't left Travis Green's mind either. Uh, he would have felt pretty bad for for him, and what was his alternative? Right, there was really nothing he could have done to give him support there. Um, and I think, like you said, with the with the gaps in between and Markstrom playing well, um, he'll he'll get them. Uh, it would be really cool if. Uh, D Pietro got a, a start at home. Uh, just for Canucks fans to be able to see where he's at right now, he's been playing really, really well in the A. Um, so who knows? Maybe he. Uh, the thing with D Pietro is he's a really. Uh, he's a learner, right? Like he really absorbs and takes in experiences and learns from them. And he does so really quickly. Uh, so different experiences like when he had uh, the world championships that he went to. Uh, and then that one game, even against San Jose, he said that he took a lot out of it uh, and had a, a big list of things that he wanted to work on for, for his style, for his style of play, and how to basically get to that level. And so I think experience like that for him is valuable. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Demko in that way. Um, so who knows? Maybe it would actually be good for him, even if it wasn't the best turnout in that game. It gives him some more... Uh, notes really for to take back to Utica
0: for sure. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this week. I kind of want to shift the focus now, let's talk about Adam Gaudet, he's a player that has been dynamite lately, hasn't put up a ton of points or anything like that, he's not on like a big goal streak or anything, but Adam Gaudet's a player that I've been noticing his two way game and just his overall tenacity and his forechecking abilities, everything he's doing away from the puck and hell even with the puck, Adam Gaudet has been impressive lately.
1: Well, him and Roussel really developed such incredible chemistry. And I actually really like Jake Vertanen on that line with them. They have a lot of speed, they're creative, and they like to go straight to the net. Uh, They also have great board battles. And I think Jake Vertanen has also picked up a lot from Antoine Roussel, just as Adam Gaudet has. Uh, He's been a really uh, great... uh, It's... Hard to find the right word for this, like igniter for that line. Uh, something to really just kickstart them and give them that extra juice. Uh, Antoine Roussel's had an effect throughout the entire Canucks lineup, but especially for those two guys um, that he's playing with right now.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if Antoine Roussel's having a impact on Gaudette that's showing he's kind of playing like Roussel. And, you know, Adam Gaudette's mm-hmm. obviously not. Chipping at goaltenders after whistles and chirping his (laughs) opponents or anything like that. But I'm talking about the tenacity on the puck and how hard he is on the forecheck and how much more he seems to want it than he did maybe even a month ago. And it's something you have to understand. Travis Green demands that his players play a 200-foot game, and he needs to trust them to be in the lineup. With Brandon Sutter getting healthy, Adam Gaudet was Definitely having PTSD to when the Canucks took him out of the lineup And put Sutter in his place mm-hmm. But now it helps because Gaudet now needs uh, to pass through waivers And he'd get scooped up immediately If he yeah. was sent down to <laughs> the Utica Comets So the Canucks won't do that I don't think But he's making sure of it himself with the way he's playing as of late I've been very impressed with Adam Gaudet's game And yeah he's kind of looking like a Antoine Roussel 2.0 out there
1: which is fantastic news for the Canucks because Antoine Roussel is, excuse me, deceptively creative. Um, he's got fantastic hands, and we know that those are attributes that Adam Gaudet possesses. I think Adam Gaudet has a much better shot than Antoine Roussel, uh, but Antoine Roussel has that energy and that sandpaper that, if, if Adam Gaudet's able to emulate that and. and Put it into a two hundred foot game. There's no reason for Travis Green to not trust him with third line duties, in which case that's great news for the Canucks because that means somebody else could be expendable, right? Like that's what they want eventually is Adam Gaudet to take that role and to to run with it, so that uh, we don't need a Brandon Sutter, right, or somebody like that. To maybe it's a Schaller, but we don't need those guys because. Uh, we've got somebody else, much cheaper, much younger, with much higher potential, that's already filling that role.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm liking him in the third center role, and I think he's playing it very well. It's gonna be gonna be very exciting to see this young player continue to develop. Actually, I think that's all we have for this week, Sean. What do you What do you want to add? Do you have any topics you want to touch on? Because there's really not much going on with this team mm-hmm. right now, and the game's going on behind me score is still 3 to 1 but Sean do you have anything you'd like to add before we close out here
1: um biggest thing uh i'll be working on a concussion related piece and and with Ferland out obviously with with some kind of post concussion uh symptoms uh we hope the best for him uh, and now with Demko uh going through concussion protocol himself with with concussions uh, with concussion protocol, that is, there is a specific way that the NHL has set up. So each day you have to be able to achieve a certain mark for that day. Uh, and if there's any setbacks, you restart the clock again. So when it comes to Demco, for example, we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for. Uh, it could be a week, it could be much longer. And if it is much longer, as we discussed, they're going to have to get. Pietro into some games um, or I mean somebody's going to have to play other than Markstrom at some point Um, obviously hoping the best for them and we'll keep an eye on how the concussion protocol is going for for both those guys because I think the Canucks are a better team with both of them in the lineup
0: I totally agree with you and that actually closes out the 5th episode of the Canuck Way podcast, as always thank you for tuning in and for Sean Warren I'm David Quadrelli Signing off.